this is Kara Foster from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky, and you're listening to our sermons podcast. And if you want to find out more information, you can connect with us at www.madisonvilledisciples.org or come in person at 1030 College Drive on Madisonville, Kentucky. Subscribe and enjoy these podcasts. Through the month of August, I am preaching from the book of Ephesians, and Ephesians is a beautiful letter written to the Gentile church, the Gentile Christians of Ephesus. An interesting thing I mentioned last week about Ephesians, that scholars think that this letter was particularly written, meant to be passed around and shared to other churches. And when I read today, uh, you will see that this letter is speaking to the heart of some of the divisions between the Gentile Christians and Jewish Christians in the church. And I'm going to begin reading in chapter 2 today, beginning in verse 11. And I invite you to read with me. It says, So then remember that at one time you Gentiles by birth, called the uncircumcision by those who are called the circumcision, a physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. In his flesh he has made both groups into one, and has broken down the dividing wall that is the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances, that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of two, thus making peace, and might reconcile both groups to God and one body through the cross, thus putting death that hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, both of us have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are brought together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. In our passage of Ephesians, there is this beautiful, eloquent speaking to the divisions within the church this us versus them mentality and how it is to be no more. Now, it's hard for all of us to comprehend really the challenges of the early church, this division between Gentile Christians and Jewish Christians. It was a very real struggle to the early church, one that many of our New Testament epistles speak to, the challenges of being the church together different and yet united. And the church, as it grew, a movement that became beyond a Jewish movement and grew to other cultures and languages and people around the world, this was a very real challenging part about how to be the church. 
questions like circumcision and should Christians eat kosher and do Gentile Christians need to follow the laws of the Torah. These were challenges to the church. And here in Ephesians chapter 2, after pointing out the divisions of the past, the writer says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. In his flesh he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall that is the hostility between us. It's beautiful, isn't it? Beautiful. This letter is reminding the people that Jesus has taken down the walls. He's taken down the walls of division and made them one. He's speaking to the unity of the church. And it's a value still of this church, a first Christian church, a value of the Christian church, disciples of Christ, to be a movement of Christian unity in the world, to speak and fight and work for the unity and uplift the church wherever it may be, right here in Madisonville and all around the world. And it all comes back here to this letter to the church in Ephesians, that they might remember the walls of division between us and them have come down and that they are one, that we may be one. Three times, actually four times in this letter, it speaks about peace in this small section. First, it says that Jesus is peace, not that he offers peace, not that he gives us peace. He is peace. And then it goes on to say, for he proclaimed peace to you who are far off and peace to those who were near. And through him both of us have access into the spirit of the Father. And then the writer begins to use this building construction imagery. So that you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him... The whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also built together spiritually into a dwelling place of God. He's using these building images to convey the togetherness, the unity, the oneness built upon the foundations of the apostles and the prophets. Christ Jesus is our cornerstone, and the whole structure is joined together. The one who offers peace to all, the one who is peace to all, takes down the walls of division. Jesus, our cornerstone. Now, maybe you aren't up on your construction terminology so much, but I'm guessing you probably know that a cornerstone in the early days of building was the first foundational stone put down. It was the stone by which every other stone would measure itself off of. It is the guiding stone. Jesus, our cornerstone. And I was thinking about what I know actually about building. <laughs> and your minister doesn't know much. I, I mean, there's been several habitats over the years. It's where I've learned the joy of a nail gun. My goodness, that is fun. I've, uh, 
I've, and I hope some folks of you will come join me on Wednesday and come lend a hand painting if you can. Um, I've been on global mission trips where we have worked on building schools and houses and churches, built simple buildings, concrete floors, concrete block walls with rebar, tin metal roofs, and that building, that church, that home, that school was a game changer to have a simple building like that. But the most I have ever spent learning about construction was my years working in the theater department in college. I was a psychology major. I really had no connection to theater at all before uh, working there, but I loved that job in the theater department. It's where I learned how to use actual power tools. It's where I learned the right way to swing a hammer, and I learned to do lights and sound, and I built staircases that led to nowhere. It was so fun. And the first thing you learn about building anything is that if that first cut isn't right, if that very first cut you make isn't correct, then everything else is likely to be off. Jesus, the cornerstone, the strong foundational stone that guides everything. With that stone at your feet, you can stand strong. You can build a life that will stand. So here's what I'm wondering, church. How's your foundation feeling these days? Strong? Resilient? Or maybe you feel lately like your floor is a little shaky. The writer Anne Lamont talks about a time she was about to take an international flight somewhere and she really hates flying. And so on Sunday morning before she left, she raised her hand and asked in her church if, she, if they would pray for her for this trip. And she specifically named for um, pray that the plane isn't hijacked, engine failure, or snakes on the plane. And they prayed for her, but as, later on, her pastor gave her a piece of advice and said, look, when you get on the plane, it's a little late for baggy prayers to God. It's time for trust and surrender. In other words, remember your foundation. Remember the cornerstone of your life guiding you. And I think if we aren't careful sometimes, we can try to build our lives around anything else but him. The one who's peace. The one who takes down our walls of division. Our cornerstone. Is Jesus at the heart of our lives? Is he at the heart of our decisions and our relationships? I remember years ago, a woman in my church set an appointment before me, came by my office, and she proceeded to tell me a story, a terrible story, of a nasty family fight that happened at Thanksgiving, no less. It was probably one of those things that had been building up for years, but it just happened to spill out that particular Thanksgiving, and some terrible things were said by everybody, and this woman's own sister left the meal in a huff, and this woman was in my office, and she was devastated and so upset, and she said, I can't eat, and I can't sleep, and I'm so upset by all that has happened. I just want my family to be together again, 
And I was just about to say something when she interrupted me, and she said, now before you say something, if you tell me Jesus wants me to call my sister, I'm going to tell you I'm not big enough to do it. (laughs) And I wasn't about to say that, but I did rethink what I was about to say, because I said, you know what, it sort of might sound to me like you already know what you're supposed to do here. And she said, oh, this is so Jesus' fault. But we spent the rest of the time talking about having the courage to make that call and what she was going to say. And you know what? She did make that call. And the walls of division began to come down because that's how Jesus works. Offering peace. Taking away our separations. And we go around every day trying to see if we can build our lives around other things. Money, stuff, looks, approval, degrees, control or the illusion of having it, reputations, the almighty God of busyness. And if we aren't careful, we can look around one day and realize we spent a whole lot of time building a staircase that leads to nowhere. But the cornerstone... If we let him, he will shape and guide our lives, our work, our school, our family, our friends. With Jesus as our foundation, we can build a life that is strong and resilient and able to withstand storms that come our way. Maybe not without a few bumps and bruises, but a foundation that we can live our life on. Because as Father Gregory Boyle once said after he was diagnosed with cancer, he said, I believe that Jesus protects me from nothing but will sustain me in everything. There's a story in the Gospels that's always sort of perplexed me, frankly. It's a story about, that was told at the height of Jesus' ministry when he's very popular and he had spent a day teaching and preaching. And at the end of the day, He and the disciples go into a boat and across the sea, but a storm comes. And the disciples are absolutely terrified. Now, these are guys that have spent their life living and working along that sea. Many are fishermen, and they are terrified what's happening. And to me, that just feels like when you see the flight attendant look nervous during some plane turbulence, you know it's going to be serious. And so the disciples are scared. The water's coming in. And do you remember what Jesus is doing in that moment in that story? He's sleeping. He's napping. And you know exactly what the disciples feel about Jesus taking a little R&R at that very moment because they say, they wake him up saying, don't you care about us? Don't you care that we might drown? And I think... I think sometimes we mistakenly think that if we have faith, then Jesus will be the one who prevents the storms for us. When he is actually the one who's in the boat with us, through the storms. Build your life on that foundation. He offers peace that will calm any storm. Build your life on that. I've shared this quote many times, but I love it so much. Spoken by the great Christian church, Disciples of Christ preacher Fred Craddock, who wrote this actually 
not long before his death, and it was mentioned by his pastor at his own funeral. And what he wrote was this. He said, when I was in my late teens, I wanted to be a preacher. When I was in my late 20s, I wanted to be a good preacher. And he says, now that I'm older, I want more than anything else to be a Christian, to live simply, love generously, speak truthfully, serve faithfully, and to leave everything else to God. Amen.